Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is a crowd podcast. You can't be doing that, John. You hear it short enough as it is. I can just hear it already. Beep. Everywhere we go. <laughs> We've lost three green keepers. Three. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely, I think, can play some mind games. We're just talking about ball flight. A little bit of beef goss here from, <laughs> from the tour. By the time it come to Friday, you'd be absolutely toast. My kids would damage the house. You know, these houses weren't... <laughs> These houses weren't kid-proof. I'm Andrew Beef Johnston. And I'm John Robbins. Welcome to Beef's Golf Club. Hello, mate. How you doing? I'm not too bad, man. How are you? Here for another episode of Beef's Golf Club. I'm good. I'm good. Can you tell I'm a little bit excited today? I want to start this episode with a big announcement. Beef, stop. I have to stop you. There's an emergency. What? I know you're excited for your big announcement, but I leave for Portugal in four hours' time, and I've just checked the weather, and it's going to absolutely hammer it down every day that we're playing. I need a very quick how-to guide of playing in the wet. I need your top tips. Go. Have you ever used a wet glove before? Yes, I have. Do you like them? Yes, I do. Yes, a wet glove. If it's really heavy, two wet gloves. No. Both hands. Yeah. Okay. Next. Umbrella. Okay, yes. A towel under the umbrella when you're playing. Okay, good. So you always got to keep one dry. A spare one in your bag. Yes. Waterproofs, obviously. Okay. And just keep your grips dry. That's the key. Keep your grips dry. Don't worry about anything else. If it's pissing it, just focus on keeping your grips dry. Because if you can hold the club, you've got half a chance. Whew. Right, I was quite scared for a second there because this is the most important thing in my life and it only happens once a year and we've got the three days in Portugal where it's going to, and I'm not kidding, chuck down 20 millimetres of rain in a day. (laughs) But now I've got my beefs, top tips, my wet gloves, my umbrella, my towels, my spare towels, my waterproof, dry grips, I'm good to go. I don't have to mess around with ball position or anything like that, do I? No ball position. I think the wise thing, if it's going to have that much rain, I'll send you a list of bowling lanes, arcades, snooker rooms that you can go and visit if it's that bad. Oh, man. 
Anyway, well, I feel very well prepared now. Please continue with your announcement. Anyway, the shipment of balls have come in. <gasps> My thousand Pro V1s, each one individually signed and numbered by Beef Johnston. Not quite. We haven't got to a thousand yet, and okay. we haven't, to be honest, got to Pro Vs yet. Okay. But we've got some Titleist Truce Offs. Oh, very good ball. About 200 of them, so... Holy Moses. It's a start. It's a start. You can't have a thousand at once. It's too many at once. I was thinking... We'll break it up a little bit uh -huh. and just start with start small and think big, right? So these are the Beefs Golf Club golf balls. Yes. So on one side, they've got my face, a little logo of my face of the podcast, same face. And on the other side, they've got, if found, please contact at Beefs Golf Club. So basically, we're going to start giving these away. Whoever we give to, if they start losing the golf balls, we want people to obviously find them and report to us on socials at Beef's Golf Club, where they found them, what hole, what side, and I want to see if we can trace them back and find who lost them. Yeah, this is going to be amazing. We're creating a network of lost balls. We're creating a network of Beef's Golf Club members. So if you are lucky enough to get a ball, we're going to be sending them out for free. You can't buy these. These are elite special edition balls, uh, which we're going to send out for our favourite emails. Uh, for our Hall of Famers, you're going to be getting a Beef's Golf Ball, a sleeve of Beef Golf Balls coming your way. Please write your initials on them because you should be marking your ball anyway, even though you'll probably be the only person playing with them in the early stages. And if you find one, we want a photo. We want you to get in touch. Let us know where. And I reckon what we should do, Beef, is create a map of the world and drop a pin in every place where a golf ball has been found. And we can even zoom into the individual holes. I love that idea, yeah. And then hopefully, well, I wouldn't want to see thousands of pins because I don't want to see everyone playing so badly. But if there is thousands of pins, there's thousands of pins. Who cares? I just want to see where all you're playing, where everyone's losing golf balls. Maybe we could start finding out where some of the hardest holes are in the world. That's not a bad shout. And maybe if someone doesn't lose their ball we could have a record for the amount of holes completed with a Beef's Golf Club ball without losing it. I like it. I like it a lot. But only let us know when it's finally been lost and you can say, very sadly, rest in peace, Beef's Golf Club golf ball lasted me for 48 holes and then I shanked it on the third, never to be seen again. So you're thinking like a little leaderboard. How many Mate, continuous holes you can play with the same golf ball? Yeah, I mean... I think it's going to take a while for us to rack up enough balls out there in the wild for people to start finding them. But when they do, it's going to be very exciting when we get our first bit of correspondence to beef at crowdnetwork.co.uk. Send us a pic or post to our social media at Beef's Golf Club on Instagram and Twitter or on the Facebook group because we've now got a Facebook group where all you Beef's Golf Club members can get together, can chat golf, can chat beef and also arrange to play rounds together with your Beef's Golf Club golf balls. But Beef, before we start sending these balls out, because I can see they've filled up your room already, you're actually sat on them, resting your laptop on them. Um, we've got another guest at Beef's Golf Club today, haven't we? Yes, we have, mate, we have. And I was thinking, we haven't had a pro on yet. And I know you've struggled with the driver. You've worried about distance, not hitting it far enough. So I thought we'd get an absolute bomber on. One of the best players in the world and probably one of the nicest people. So I've brung in Tony Finau to give you a hand with your driving. Woohoo! Oh my G. Tony Finau. Let's get him in. So guys, we've got our first professional golfer on. It's an absolute legend. 
on here today. <laughs> Probably the nicest man in golf as well, Tony Finau. How you doing, man? Beef, what's up, baby? Nice. Thanks for having me on, man. Oh, uh, honestly, it's uh, it's so good to have you on, man, and to have a first pro as well is is amazing. I'm honored. I'm honored. Seriously, thanks. And not just a pro. We're talking, what are you, top 15 now? <laughs> like the absolute cream of the crop. Thank you. Yeah, 14th, not bad. You know, we got 13 to go, but 14th is not bad. <laughs> so like, I wanted to start by asking, because so many people listening to this will, their experience of watching the majors, for example, is, you know, you follow the players around, you might see them at a press conference or afterwards, you see lots of people with passes. What happens when you walk past that final line and the camera stops following you and you're then into like the inner sanctum of, I guess, the golf club? <laughs> Is it just like being at a normal golf club, but you're just surrounded by the best golfers in the world? Or is it a kind of different experience entirely? I would say it's, it's quite a different experience than just being at, at a normal club uh, just because you're competing against the best players in the world. But, you know, I, I think you, you start to get used to it. You know, when I first got on tour, I would say I, I was kind of baffled because I was so used to watching guys on TV. And then I would walk next to them on the range, you know, have you Tiger Woods, Vijay Singh, all these legends of the game that I was so used to watching. And next thing you know, I'm like supposed to be competing against them. You know, the first couple of years, that was hard to adapt to and hard to, I think, wrap my head around. I'm actually competing against these guys. You know, I can't be over here with my mouth wide open and, um, and you know, just enjoying the experience. You know, I got to compete. So it took me a little bit, I think, to get over that. But um, I would say the experience when it comes to major championships, playing in big events. Now, I think I'm a lot more accustomed to it. And it's more like second nature than than it was, I think, early in my years, if that makes sense. And like... Are you getting sort of like a seven-star hotel sort of treatment? <laughs> Are you getting like fresh clothes pressed for you when you head back to your room? Is everyone sat at the bar sipping cocktails? What's the actual like living experience of being uh, at, at those competitions like? Or is it like, you know, you're all sat on plastic chairs getting a can of Diet Coke from the fridge? <laughs> what sort of the vibe? Well, it was a lot different this past year than it normally is. I traveled with my family, actually. So my wife and I have five kids and we all traveled almost every single tournament together um, from January to June. We pretty much every tournament except for one. So, you know, we've got like three hotel rooms. Um, I wouldn't say they're all five star hotels. They're nice. You know, definitely I want to take care of my kids and my wife, make sure they're they're all good. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're nice hotels. You know, I, I will say we used to get homes and anytime my family would come out, I'd get an Airbnb or get a house. And then I would get a bill at the end of the week because my kids would damage the house. You know, these houses weren't, <laughs> these houses weren't kid proof. So I, I would pay 10 grand, let's say, for the house for the week. And I'd get slapped with another $10,000 $10, bill at the end of the week because they broke, you know, the window and broke all the furniture, you know, furniture, tearing up the furniture and stuff. So I learned my lesson early on where I was like, all right, you know, I can't afford, I can't be affording, you know, this much uh, to pay for a house. So now it's like, we just strictly stick to hotel rooms. Once my kids get a little older, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll attack the houses again. But for now, we're just like two or three hotel rooms are a super nice suite. Are they all right with you? 
Tony, because obviously, like, when, when I've been to tournaments and majors and stuff, you get X amount of passes. You've got five kids. Have you ever had to make a choice where you've got to stick two kids and leave them in the car? And be like, you can't come in today. Because they can be really tight on passes. Yeah, they can be really tight on passes. And my kids, you know, they they're, they all get jealous if I take one and don't leave another one. Or, you know what I mean? Kids just get jealous like that. Um, as a parent, it's it's a tough it's a tough choice. But I will say only, only one of my kids is even into golf. So my oldest is only only one that even cares about golf um my other kids of course they want to hang out with dad but for the most part it's not that hard of a choice because only one of them really likes golf so i'm lucky that way it must be them i mean obviously it's wonderful to have your family around you and to get to see so much of them because i think a lot of golfers don't have that ability they leave their families for big amounts of time but do you have to do anything or is there any process where you like transition from tony finau dad and husband to tony finau golfer who's got to really perform and is that sort of in the walk from the hotel room down to the downstairs? Yeah, I tell you what, it's it's a balance. It's a humbling experience, you know, when you just either won a tournament or just leaving the golf course and you feel invincible after shooting a 64 and then you come back and as soon as you get in the hotel room, you know, kids are yelling at you and you're changing diapers. So it's quite, uh, it's quite the range of emotions, but man, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, I very family oriented. I grew up with a lot of siblings. I'm the third of seven from my parents and the third of 10 from all my, my dad's kids. So, you know, I just, you know, we're very family oriented and I always been that way. So my wife and I knew we wanted a lot of kids and, um, for this lifestyle, you know, five is a lot, but we try to make it work and you just kind of adapt, you know, but for me, it's, um, it's quite the balance to try and figure out, um, you know, how to balance it all with the career and the family, you know, but you just, I do my best to adapt. And, um, when I'm on the golf course, it's all business. And when I'm at home, I'm just a husband and a father. So I was looking at that and obviously your family is big sporting background and your brother played, right? Yeah. Yeah. My brother played a lot of golf. Yeah. I, I read he was the youngest to play a web.com event. Yeah, he was the youngest to play and he was the youngest to make a cut. I think until, I think just some 14 year old kid just made a cut, but he was 15 when he made his first cut on the web.com tour. So wow. he was, yeah, he was a baller. He was a good player. And I was lucky to have him, honestly, you know, like we competed against each other since we were young and um, he was a great player. He was just like a great sparring partner to have throughout my whole childhood, all the way up. We turned pro together and, you know, did the pro circuit for a few years. But uh, yeah, we were lucky to have each other compete against. Yeah, that's nice to have that like that rivalry and that, that competitiveness. But again, I was reading about sports as well. You play basketball, right? Yeah, I played a lot of basketball growing up. Was there a decision to make basketball or golf in college? You know, I had I had I had scholarship offers to play to play basketball, but you know, I had made up my mind pretty early on. By the by, by the time I was about twelve or thirteen, I knew I knew I wanted to play golf. Um, Tiger was, you know, like my golfing hero. So at that time, it was all Tiger mania. This is like 2000 to 2005 was kind of like the peak of my childhood. And that was the peak of Tiger's, you know, kind of reign. So um, I was all in in golf. But uh, basketball was definitely my first love when it comes to sports. But um, I ended up falling in love with golf and I, I was just a lot better at golf. I, I think I was a good basketball player, but um, I was winning, you know, national events and stuff in golf. So I figured... Uh, this is probably the path I should take. You talked about like um, how weird it is to suddenly be around people you've watched on TV. Do you like hang out with other golfers at tournaments in any kind of social way? Or is it very much like a quick, like, hello, how was your round or whatever, or saw that shot you hit and then back to the hotel? Or 
do you have time where you're sort of catching up with each other about other stuff? Yeah, you know, personally, you know, I don't have like a lot of time, you know, like I said, for the most part, um, even when my kids aren't on the road, you know, I'm pretty much golf course. And then I like to, you know, do my own thing, really. You know, it's not that I don't have friends on the tour. Um, you know, I've become close with John Rahm, um, a guy that I practice with often. You know, we're, we're out of the same club in Scottsdale, Arizona. So, you know, I've gotten to know him very well. We play practice rounds together. But as far as like off the course, I would say a lot of guys have their cliques. Um, you know, guys that they grew up with and, you know, they do their dinners. They might even stay together at a house for the week and things like that. Um, I, I've never really done that. Um, I can't say I have like an extremely close friend on tour, but I do have a lot of guys that I look I look look to or look at as friends. Um, but I mean, we're not, you know, getting together for dinner and all that stuff. You know, I've done that a few times with some guys. Um, but for the most part, I'm either with my family after the golf course uh, with my caddy or I'll just kind of do my own thing. But everybody's different. And that's just kind of how I do it. So you're perfectly poised to perhaps reveal any gossip about <laughs> the other golfers because we love a little bit of beef goss here from from the tour. Uh, Billy Foster was talking to us about just how much caddies can get away with drinking and still get paid for doing their job the next day. <laughs> who are, who are, are there any hellraisers left in golf or is it too too sort of professional and too important now? Man, I, I I think, you know, with the amount of money we're playing for now, guy, there aren't as many guys like John Daly that are getting drunk like before they play or being drunk while they play. I think guys are taking it a little bit more seriously. You know, I think there are some guys that still drink quite a bit. And uh, I mean, Kevin Kisner is a guy that I know, you know, he was on our uh, President's Cup team. You know, I know he can put the beers away for a guy his size. <laughs> Um, you know, he can drink quite a bit of alcohol and he ain't he ain't scared to get a little a little tipsy. So um, I'll throw him out there. But that I'm sure that's no surprise to many um, as a guy that, uh, that enjoys his drinks. Super. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. You look, you look so happy there, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You look so happy. He's got you, Tony. You've just given him a new golf like favorite to follow now. <laughs> hey, he's a good dude, though, man. He's a good dude. Yeah, he is. He is a good dude. That President's Team Cup you had. Yeah. I mean, I I was saying it um, the other day. The last Ryder Cup team you had, I think, is probably one of the best teams I've ever seen, ever. And you go and obviously a few players jump ship. And I looked at the President's Cup team and I was like, oh my God, it's so strong. It's like, it, I, I think you guys have got like a a golden era. Man, I I think so. You know, we have, we had a lot of young guys this year on the President's Cup. We had eight rookies. They called them rookies, but obviously guys that have won on the tour and very experienced as far as major championships. So man, it was just, it's really cool to be in a, on a team where these guys are so excited, almost like grateful to even just be a part of it and have that youthful energy. And then they're like excited to compete and like so hungry to get out there and, and play and compete and win. And man, it's so cool to be a part of these teams. I think we had an unbelievable team last year for the Ryder Cup. I think the record kind of speaks for itself with how strong our team was. But yeah, I think, you know, we've uh, we got a chance to do something special next week or next year in Rome. We haven't won over in Europe in over 30 years. Um, and so that's the challenge I think that we're we're up for. We got to work. I think we're gonna have a great team. Obviously, I want to be a part of that team. I'm not on it yet. I'm talking as if I'm gonna, gonna be on the team. I'm just I'm just saying, I think in general, 
we're, we got a bunch of youthful guys that I do think um, is kind of a, a cool golden era for the Ameri- American golf. And hopefully we can prove that next year. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, that would be rooting for, for Europe. But I love it when you get some Ryder Cups that are so close. Yeah. And all the drama unfolds. I think, obviously, that's that's what sport is and that's the best thing. I mean, if I was in control of Ryder Cup, have you been to Rome before? No, I've never been. So if I was in control of all the teams, I would just feed the American team so much good pasta. By the time <laughs> it come to Friday, you'd be absolutely toast. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're smart. <laughs> if they're smart, they'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> so like you're saying that uh, at maybe a regular tour event, you haven't got a lot of time for socialising stuff, but in those team events, I guess you're getting a lot of organised team stuff. Is it like sort of team meetings and do they do sort of like silly activities, like team building stuff? You know, this year we didn't do anything and and last year as well. We just kind of, um, you know, do our normal routines. But it is fun getting to know the guys uh, on a better level and and creating that camaraderie and, and those memories together are pretty amazing. You know, and that's what makes these cups so special, like the President's Cup, the Ryder Cup. Being involved in them is so different than a tour event because you're truly coming together as a team for one goal. You're trying to win the cup uh, for your country. And that's pretty special for all of us. So we have a lot of chemistry with a lot of these young guys. And I think it showed in these last couple cups. So it's, it's just fun for me to be a part of it. So who are you excited about playing with out of that younger generation? And what have you learned about them maybe outside of golf? Have you gone, oh, we're into the same thing or we follow the same sports team or, you know, we're both really good at this. Are you learning about sort of some of their things apart from their swing or, you know, how they how well they did at the last tournament or whatever? Yeah, well, I think me and me and Max Homa hit it off. You know, we played really nicely. We played foursomes together and we were 2-0 in our foursomes at the President's Cup. But I thought our games meshed well, our attitudes. And um, we're both West Coast guys, meaning just coming from the West Coast of the United States. So we both had that chill vibe. And so we definitely meshed. You know, we're both both grew up huge Laker fans. Um, he's an LA kid. You know, my parents are from LA. I, I mean, my first six years of life, I lived in LA. So I think there are some parallels there. So I think definitely Max Homa is someone that in the future, I could see us playing some, some great matches together, um, as teammates. Um, but we hit it off pretty well, I think, uh, during the President's Cup. Yeah, that's, that's cool, man. That's, that's the one thing I've always said, like, oh, still a goal to make Ryder Cup because there's no team format. Yeah. And want to be a part of that team format. Well, because do I get I would love it, but I'd get so tired. I would get so tired of hearing it. When I play Tommy in the uh singles matches, Tommy Fleetwood in the singles matches in Paris, I mean the chant Tommy, 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 Fleetwood, Tommy. I mean, they would just go crazy, right? I mean, I got so tired of hearing that. Luckily I played really good and I beat them, but like that was like I could. I was like so tired of hearing that, and I can just I can just hear it already. Beef everywhere we go. Beef. <laughs> it wouldn't make beef tired. It'd make him hungry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, uh, I know there's a lot of chat about the difference between European crowds and American crowds in the Ryder Cup, but Europeans, especially the British fans, their chanting, their songs, are are leagues ahead of the Americans. Elite. There's no question. It, there, it's elite. We can't even compete, and that's that's where you know you see the difference be, between being on our soil, being on U.S. soil, and being in Europe. The singing is elite for the European fans and and the English fans in general. So 
I can't wait to get back just to hear it. And when when is the, when do you find out? Do you sort of get a feeling that you're on a good run of form and you're going to get enough points to be selected for the team? And is it the most important thing to get on that Ryder Cup team in your sort of golfing calendar? Yeah, I would say, you know, to me, the major championships are probably still the most important just because it is still, an, you know, for the most part, an individual game. But yeah, I would say after the major championships, um, the, the Ryder Cup, but it's still, the Ryder Cup still, you know, is in a league of its own. You know, I, I, I still, I don't know that you can actually compare the two because it's a team and, and an individual thing, but um, there's just nothing like the Ryder Cup. So it's definitely high up on the list. As far as how you make the team, you know, six guys will make the team on points at a certain date. And then I think uh, Zach Johnson is going to pick six guys to play. So you want to make the team on points. That's always the goal. But uh, if you don't, you want to be in good form so you can be picked. Yeah, I agree. I think whenever you get asked that question, would you like to win Ryder Cup major? You take the major because if you win a major, you're probably going to get in a cup, in a Ryder Cup. That's right. At some point. So they yeah. go like hand in hand, right? They're just, they're so different, you know, and, and special in their own ways. I mean, for us Americans, the Masters is the cream of the crop major championship. But it's just different than the Ryder Cup because I feel... Like, I actually feel way more nervous playing in the Ryder Cup than I do in the Masters, you know. So it's just a weird, different thing. I don't know that you can actually elevate one above the other. They're just different and they're both amazing. Tony, I uh, go on a yearly golf trip with a group of friends and we play Ryder Cup format with 24 people. And my record is 13-1-1. Wow. Yeah. So if you're coming up against that in the Ryder Cup, are you going to be afraid of me? <laughs> Did you say 30 or 13? 13. So played 15, won 13, tied one, lost one. Yeah. Unbelievable. 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 Uh, I'd I'd be be scared to tee it up with you. I mean, with the amount of shots I'd have to give you, you'd probably... (laughs) (laughs) I think, what are you off? Like plus five, plus six? In theory. All I know, your record's a lot better than mine. Uh, in the yes. Ryder Cup. So 13 and one, 13, one and one. That that's damn near better than I think. That's better than anybody's record in the Ryder Cup. So yeah, you need I to mean, see for Europe next year. You know, I know the, they're I know they're looking around shopping for some guys. Beef, you guys both, <laughs> Beef and John. Yeah. Tell them, give them turn turn in the resume. You know, tell Luke like, look here, Lukey. I'm a 13, one and one in my uh, my Ryder Cup at home. You need me on your team. Well, Tony, do feel free. When you get into that team, if you need to call me to talk about the sort of mentality that gets you that record, I love it. I'm I'm, okay. I'm happy because I would hate to give a tip to an American that might influence the result. But when you stand on that first tee, you got to look at your opponent and you got to say, "I've already beaten him. It's just a matter of how." <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, that's. I'm writing that one down, actually. You know, you said about Europe searching for for players. I, I think we're almost one up on the Americans of this. The way I see it, Tony, is you, you've lost like a couple, obviously. Your Dustins, Brysons, whatever, if they're going to play or not play, I don't think they'll play, obviously. Yeah. But we've lost the guys who have supported it for the last 20 years. We lost three 50-year-olds, man. It's not, like, <laughs> it's not like we've lost three, four, yeah. five incredible players. We've lost like a... A bunch of old people, man. We've lost three green keepers. <laughs> three. <Yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> That's a great point. You lost the guys that were on the back end for sure, and now you get to bring. You guys have some amazing young, you know, young talent, and it's gonna. That's what I liked about this year's Presidents Cup is, although you know the Brysons, the DJs, the Brooks, they weren't part of the team. You saw a new crop of guys. You saw, you know, Max Homa, Sam Burns, these guys that are amazing young American golfers. Cameron Young, you know, rise to the occasion. So, I mean, are you, are you working on the assumption that those guys won't be playing in the in the Ryder Cup, or is it just still so much up in the air? Yeah, you know, it's almost still so much up in the air. You know, um, I've heard a lot of guys say, you know, the Ryder Cup should be above all else. You know, should always be the best against the best. Um, I don't know what's going to play out, but uh, to me, I'm always I'm usually like side blinders on and I'm just focused on trying to make the team you know to me it's like I need to you know I'm not worried about who's gonna be on that side I'd have to worry about me being on this side so that's kind of always where my focus has been and I'm um, just trying to lock up a spot for myself why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them with Royal Caribbean you don't just go to the beach you visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America you don't just go for a road trip you ATV and zip line through the jungle you don't just go somewhere new you rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples because this isn't just any vacation this is all the vacations come seek the Royal Caribbean ships registry Bahamas Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Let's move on to talk about your game because you are, if I may say, such a superb striker at the golf ball. Thank you. I mean, I could watch you swing a club all day whether you're playing in a major or not. What's what's your favorite part of the game? What gives you the most pleasure when you execute it well? I love driving the golf ball. Um, you know, I've every year I've seemed to figure something out to drive it straighter. Um, so I would say I love hitting long, you know, long and straight works at every golf course I've learned throughout the whole world. What are some of those things you've learned? Because I could do with a couple of those at the minute. <laughs> well, just real quickly, if you're if you're tall, when you swing a golf club, you, I try to be short. What I mean by that is like it's harder for taller guys to stay in the shot is what I call it. Like stay in the um, stay in the pocket when you swing. Um, learning how to do that has been tough for someone my height you know I'm about 6-4 so if you're any anybody over 6-2 or 6-3 probably struggles with the same thing kind of that early extension um, you know reaching for the ball all those types of things just little gems I've learned hitting thousands of balls when you're tall you have to stay in the shot you know the guys that are taller the shaft stands up easier because of how much taller we are so for short guys it's it's opposite they have to get power by, you know, staying in the shot and almost standing up through the shot because of how much, how much lower they are to the ground. So I would say those are the two differences when you're talking about height. And I don't think in our game, like anatomy of the body is talked about enough. You know, the reason why guys move the way that they move, everybody wants to be in the same position as certain guys, but it's like, 
first of all, you're not the same size. Your arms are not the same length. And your, t- you know, your deficiencies in your body are just way different. You know, I think John Rahm has talked about his clubbed foot. It's like the reason why he swings with a short back swing is because he can't even load into his right side. And so there's so many different things. And the same thing with me. I don't have to have a long back swing because I'm 6'4 with a six foot nine wingspan. So my club, although it looks like it's going back very short, it's still traveling a long ways from the golf ball because of how long my arms are. So I think the anatomy and how the makeup of our bodies are not talked about enough in the golf swing. Um, so like when somebody looks at my golf swing and says, wow, that's really short. How do you get so much power? It's like if they saw me in real life, they wouldn't they probably wouldn't be asking that question because my arms are almost seven feet long. So those are just, you know, some some of my thoughts about the golf swing just in general. That is such I'm going to try be shorter now when I hit golf balls. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> You, you can't be doing that, John. You hit it short enough as it is. You can't lose distance, man. When I say shorter, I don't mean shorter backswing and shorter swing. I mean like acting like you're shorter, like staying down closer to the ground. So that's what I mean. I don't yeah. mean like swing it like me where you shorten the backswing. I just mean when you're tall, you're actually you're trying to stay as low as you can to the ground as you hit the ball. We were talking about sort of quirky golf clubs a couple of episodes ago. Have you got any sort of odd clubs or clubs you can't say goodbye to? We've I, I have it on decent authority that you still use a Nike three iron? Yeah. It's exactly the club I can't get rid of. I've had a Nike three iron since two thousand fifteen, so we're gonna be going on eight years of using this same club and it's just one that I've hit so many good shots with it, I know what it's gonna do and it's just hard until the head flies off, I'm probably gonna <laughs> literally I'm probably gonna use it until then. So the good thing is I have a couple backups oh, wow. that will probably be played pretty soon. But yeah, that's a club that's hard for me to get rid of. So do you have like an eBay notification for when they uh, when they come up for sale? <laughs> Someone's like, this guy just- called Tony underscore Fee now has just <laughs> yeah. bought my uh, Nike 3 iron. It can't be. It can't be him. I just hope that my other two heads last as long as this one because then I'll be good. I'm, I'm banking on them lasting seven, eight years each. So then I'm looking, you know, I'm looking by the time that last one is still in the bag, you know, I'm like 50 years old. Then it's like, all right, maybe it's time for me to get like a hybrid or a five wood, you know, clubs that old people use. (laughs) So do do the faces not wear out in the same way that like wedges do? And wedges, yeah, wedges are different. You use them so much, you know, you're going to use them all the time. I mean, I do use my three iron a lot. And obviously it does. I mean, it's it's a black head that's basically silver now. That's how long I've used it. But it, it, the irons are a lot different, I would say, than like a like a wedge. You know, the it takes a lot longer for the grooves to wear out. You know, obviously, we were talking about driving and uh, and woods and your driving, and obviously, tee shots. We we did an episode on opening tee shots, and we were asking people some of their best tee shots, some of their worst tee shots, or anything that's happened oh. sort of pre warm up. I know at the opening nineteen, just before. Uh, I teed off, I ripped my trousers. <laughs> and uh, luckily I had a spare pair in the locker, but I had to go and get the manager to run and go and get my trousers. Otherwise I was playing the whole day in a big rip straight down the middle of my trousers. So uh, yeah, Any, have you heard anything similar to that? The first year I made the tour, my uh, rookie year, my first tournament of the of the season, I'm playing, uh, I'm playing pretty nicely. I'm like in 15th place. And we're playing at uh, Silverado, which is the tournament uh, they used to call the Fries. I think I don't know what the name of the tournament is now, but it's the very first event of the year in Napa, California. We get on the first hole, and you know there's a nice there's a nice little crowd around, 
and I tee my I tee my ball up. They announce my name, and as soon as I take the club back, when I'm over the ball, I'm ready to hit it. You know, look a couple times. As soon as I take the club back, like I I rip like one of the loudest farts you probably <laughs> you've ever heard, and I knew it was coming, and I just decided that I was going to do it after I hit. I knew it was coming, but I take it back, and almost simultaneously, as the club is kind of rising back, you hear this like like really loud and I end up still hitting the shot. I hooked this thing out of, I hit, I hooked this thing out of bounds and people, people were already laughing before I even hit the shot because it was literally like as I was taking the club back. So I had to re-tee and again, I'm a rookie. I had to re-tee. First of all, if you hit it out of bounds on the first hole and you have to re-tee, that's so embarrassing. But having farted super loud and having to re was about as embarrassing a moment, I think, as I've ever had on a golf course. And I ended up making double on that first hole. And I played okay, actually. But that was, uh, yeah, that's probably about as good as I got for you. <laughs> I mean, it's pro- I mean, it's pretty good. I mean, <laughs> I've got a few tears coming out of my eyes. <laughs> Bro, but seriously... Reteeing on the first tee is the worst, dude. Reteeing after everybody just heard you fart in the middle of your swing, that was quite embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, if you'd said, if you'd said, I bet hit another one and then farted again, oh no, that, yeah. that would have, that would have been pretty decent. Oh, That's extraordinary. That would have been good. <laughs> oh, that is gold, absolute gold. Obviously, Beef's Golf Club. We're designing our our own golf club, the greatest golf club ever unbelievable what's been some of your favorite clubhouses you've ever been to i think uh shinnecock hill is pretty cool you ever you've been to shinnecock yeah yeah yeah. shinnecock's cool like just the way it sits like over by the hole like over by 18 i think that's pretty pretty sweet tbc sawgrass just because of how gigantic it is you know like the clubhouse for tbc sawgrass i think it's pretty special i think the simplicity of something like cypress point you've been out to cypress point no, I've never been, never been. Tried to get on and I couldn't get on. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one to get on, but it, it literally is like a super prestigious club, but it's the most simple little white house you've ever seen. It's like a little white cabin, like small, nothing major. Tee box literally right next to the this little cabin. Like I'm talking, you just walk right out of the clubhouse and two steps and you tee your ball up and you hit. I think that's kind of a cool feel. Um, but yeah, those are just a few that like came to mind. What's, what about you guys? What are you guys thinking, man? That's unbelievable you guys doing a club. It's a big imaginary club that everyone is welcome. Everyone can join. <laughs> uh, that's what it's about. So anyone can come in, hang out, enjoy the golf club. Do you want to hear some of the rules we've got in this club, Tony, and see if you agree yes, with them? Yes, please. Yes, please. So the only dress code is have a look in the mirror, mate. <laughs> that's the dress code. There's a, a yellow card and a red card system for people talking about their round. So if someone starts to like bang on a bit about their round, you hold up a yellow card. <laughs> and if they don't get the message, they get a straight red and they have to stop talking about all their shots. <laughs> I um, mean, I talk about this all the time. I love that. Keep going. Uh, no creepy portraits of ex-club captains, <laughs> which is usually like sort of quite a disturbing display of old white guys yeah. that will be sort of framed around the bar. Um, so 50 ball limit on the driving range. That probably wouldn't apply for the like elite golfers before a major, but because we're going to host majors here. But I think for amateur golfers, like hitting 200 balls with your driver is not helping anyone. Amen. 
and no unsolicited swing advice. Here's a question. When you're playing in a major, would it be considered very bad form? Say you were two shots off the lead, you're in the final group, to say to, I don't know, Jordan Spieth or say to Dustin Johnson, say, I think you're coming over the top a bit. You need to, you need to keep your head down. You need, you need to, Dustin, you need to pretend like you're really short. <laughs> um, yes, but I think most of us would just take it as a joke. Like, there's no way yeah. we'd be able to straight face that and say it <laughs> literally to another pro that's like leading the Masters or something like that. <laughs> the joke would end up being on you. I will say, though, like when you're playing with someone in a practice round and like getting in their head is like, that's a different thing. Like, it's actually possible because it's it's happened to me before where you know i was playing i was actually playing a practice round with rombo and you know he, and i don't know if he was serious or not but he's like oh wow like after a few holes he's like oh wow you hit a draw now you know like i hit a fade right you know like he was basically saying like you hit a draw and i, I basically because i hit it i hit it off the toe like every single shot and every single one of my balls were like falling left you know and and so you definitely i think can play some mind games we just talking about ball flight more than the swing you know like oh wow you're hitting a lot lower than the last time i played there or wow you know wow you hit it really high now you know or something like that right so i just with my experience that that can actually get to a pro because you're like oh do i hit it lower do i hit it higher am i hitting a draw now you know so <laughs> yeah yeah okay would you like to add a rule to our golf club if you could impart one rule on every golf club you go to what would it be to me, like pace of play is like everything at a club. Like if you can get around in 315 or less, to me, it's like, I don't care if you play a 13 some, you have to get around in three, 315 or less. Especially, you know, to me, like fast carts, rake, you know, like the bunkers, you should have like caddies at, on each hole, raking the bunkers. So you don't have to sit in there and like rake the bunkers or you never get like a suck lie, you know? I think, uh, Everything to me is just around pace of play. It's like you gotta, you gotta be able to get around there. Like if you're playing with two people, that's like maximum like three hours, absolute max for two guys. I would just say, I don't care like how many guys you play with. If you brought nine guys with you and you played outside of three fifteen, like you're gone. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's the only rule. If you, if you, as long as you stay under three fifteen, dude, you're like you're golden. You're like welcome, welcome to the club, but. Outside of that, it's like, dude, we can't, we can't accept that. Are we talking like Need for Speed carts, like ones with massive exhausts? And <laughs> I'm just talking like these 35, 40 mile an hour carts, bro. You can get, you can get like 35 mile an hour, 40 mile an hour golf carts, and just cruise around this puppy. You know, no cart pass, right, right up to the green. You know, like that, like kind of like you guys, like Michael Jordan actually has it figured out. Like he he opened the Grove, which is in Jupiter, Florida. And these carts, I'm telling you, these that's exactly where I got the idea, though. These carts, 35, 40 miles an hour. There's no cart path. You drive right next to the green, right next to the tee box, so you save time. And it's like, everything's just like, go, 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 you know? So. Well, I think this means I'm never going to be able to play a round at Beef's Golf Club. Some of us have got to fit 100 <laughs> shots into a round of golf, Tony. <laughs> I've, I've played rounds of golf on my own that are longer than 350. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's the rule. If you're not done by three hours 15, Tony's going to come in, drag you out by your shirt <laughs> and pull you out and kick you out of the golf club. We can do it in a nice manner. You know, as soon as they walk off the green to say, hey, it's, you know, it's been nice having you around, but uh, pack it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one more question from me, Tony. 
and probably the most important question of all, do you know Mark Wahlberg? Because Beef is currently involved in a very tense flirtation with Mark, (laughs) whereby he's messaged him on WhatsApp, but he hasn't had a response yet. No response. And it's sort of, we're looking at sort of ghosting territory here. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I've actually, I've played... Uh, three rounds of golf with Mark Wahlberg, actually. Here we go. And uh, been around him a few times. So he's a he's a gem. He's a he's exactly how, exactly how you how you would picture him to be, like badass dude. That's exactly how he is. Now he does not take longer than three fifteen to play a round of golf, does he? No, he's an hour and a half guy. Yeah, he literally takes an hour and a half to play eighteen holes. Jeez, Louise. Yeah, I'm trying to get in my head how that's even possible. Well, it's only possible if you're playing the first tee of the day, surely. <laughs> Otherwise, you're you're just you're driving your fifty mile an hour cart through about twenty other groups of people. So, hour and a half. I mean, that gives me approximately hour ten minutes, twenty minutes in the halfway hut. So, I've got an hour and ten to basically play. Probably ten minutes tie my shoelaces, finding tees and stuff. So, yeah, I've got an hour to play basically because I'm a serious like. I'm a serious like faffa. I'm so slow at doing anything. <laughs> so yeah, that's about an hour. Yeah. Next time you play with Mark, do you reckon you could say, "I got this friend of mine, Beef Johnson. He really fancies you, but he doesn't quite know how to say it." Do you reckon you could just check on your WhatsApps from him? Because <laughs> I know he can be a bit much, but he is yeah. deep down is a really nice guy. That's right. Do you mind just checking your WhatsApp? You know, Beef. Uh... My man Beef just wants to connect, so yeah, yeah, yeah. He slid into your DMs a few times. Can you just mind? <laughs> you mind checking those? <laughs> I got you, Beef. Uh, mate, you've been uh, absolutely amazing. Just before you go, what would you want from the Dream Golf Club? What things should we be adding apart from the rule? For me, I'm a big, I'm a big coconut water guy. So I guess just have some coconuts out there with the straw straight fresh coconut i mean that'd be like i'd be in heaven there's just something about me you know drinking coconut water is my favorite thing so if you got enough coconut water there like real coconuts got to add that to the club we can have coconut trees on the course beef hey now we could have people on the course next to the coconut trees so tony when you walk past or zoom past at 100 miles an hour They can just hand you a fresh coconut with a straw in the top. There you go, Mr. Fino. Enjoy your round. We'll send them up. We'll say, you got to climb up there and grab it for me and bring it down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Mate, thanks so much, man, for coming on. I really appreciate it. And yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Thanks. Mate, how good was that? How good was Tony? Oh, what a lovely guy. I sort of want him to bring up my family. I mean, I don't have a family. If I could if I could secure Tony Fee now as the sort of dad slash main childcare giver, I'd, I'd be very, very happy. Seems so sweet. And, and like very humble as well. Not like, didn't seem like a super focused golf robot. He was like a, just, a, just a nice guy. What about opening tea shop? Standing up... I take it he's got an iron just for position and to uh, let one go, middle of his backswing, and then to mm. hook it out of bounds. I mean, I wouldn't have teed up another one. I'd just walk straight indoors, gone back into the clubhouse and thought I'll start next week. Yeah, I think it takes a certain type of uh, sort of calmness, a certain type of focus to uh, be able to trump on a tee 
in front of strangers. I don't think I would have ever played golf ever again. <laughs> no, no way, I wouldn't. Like, and that's a certain type of relaxedness as well. You've got to be super relaxed to sort of like make a backswing and fart at the same time. You've got to be relaxed. It's like they say, when it's breezy, swing easy. <laughs> oh, but he did put it out of bounds, didn't he? So um, his, his rule about getting around in three hours 15, I didn't want to be too harsh on him. What, what do you reckon? I'm not sure we can actually adopt that rule. I'm probably the slowest person doing anything, <laughs> like I said. So, And I think if we want to make this golf club welcome and accessible to everyone, there aren't many golfers I know that play three hours 15. I think we might have to veto uh, Finau's rule. <laughs> but when he shows up to Beef's Golf Club, we have to we have to say to everyone, Finau's in. Sorry, you're going to have to get a shift on. So basically, we'll just get a load of signs that you can pull out the ground. So when once he drives off, you're like, oh, fucking hell, good. And then you take him out of the ground. And then when he's booked another tea time, you're like, oh, shit, we got to get him back out of the garage and put him, put him back in. Yeah. Absolutely. So he, he has no idea about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's a good idea. Well, folks, if you want to get in touch about anything we've discussed with Tony or before on Beef's Golf Club, email us beef at crowdnetwork.co.uk or follow us on social media. And who knows, you may even find yourself with a sleeve of Beef's Golf Club balls. And if you want another podcast to listen to, why not try the Garrett Thomas Cycling Club? It's Tour de France winner Garrett Thomas along his sidekick and amateur cyclist Tom Fordyce. They're three seasons deep into building the world's biggest cycling club, and they've got every big name you can think of from the world of cycling, including Wigo Bradley Wiggins, Froomey Chris Froome, and the winner of this year's Tour de France, Today Pogachar. So get involved by searching for the Garrett Thomas Cycling Club wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, what have we got on the menu next week, Beef? Well, the emails and letters, socials are all stacking up. We've got a lot of club business to attend next week. We don't want that to build up too much, so we better get cracking with that, mate. Superb. Love an admin day, especially when it's golf admin. Uh, but for now, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Take care. Crowd Network. A place where you belong. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.